You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, playing underground music since 1969. Follow us on Twitter at KUCI-FM or like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash KUCI 88.9. This way, you can be the first to know when we will be giving away tickets to your favorite concerts, festivals, and events. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCI.org. Good morning, Irvine, and welcome to a beautiful Tuesday morning, July 7th here at Sports Matters in KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your host, Kevin Drake, and sitting in the virtual studio across from me is your other host and creator, Mr. Matt Burt Sports. How are you doing this morning? Not too bad, Kevin. How are you? What a beautiful day. It's summertime. I mean, how can I not be great? <laughs> I'm not working. Yeah. Woo! That changes in an instant, though, you know? That changes in an instant. It, you know, it does. It does. And right now, I think we have really good momentum going, what we're doing here. And I think that's great that we get more time. I know you're working, and we're focused on what we like to do. And I know we collaborate with Chris Collins' show. You know, he's doing some great things. And, you know, we're a big part of that. We're always going to be all sports matters to him. He just loves us. Marissa just appreciates you. That's Chris's co-host. So, Oh, yeah. A lot of great things going on. And I know it's a bummer. The beaches were closed over the 4th of July weekend. And me, who work in the hospitality industry, the dine-in restaurants closed. All the bars are closed. But it's for safety reasons. It's so we don't overload the healthcare system. That's really mm -hmm. what the major issue is. And also to preserve the lives of the elderly and people with underlying health issues that they necessarily don't have to get this disease if we just be vigilant. That's all I'm going to really say about the COVID-19. It's, it's been a long, it's broken me a couple of times, but you know what? I feel like I'm stronger today. So, hey, we're on sports matters right now. That's all that matters. Yeah, it's true. That's what matters. <laughs> so what matters to us today? Maddie, I saw that spring training has started up. Just like you said, every team is at their own stadium and it looks like they're doing some workouts. I know a few players here and there have tested positive for COVID-19. I know a couple unnamed Cincinnati Reds tested positive, but they got such a deep pool from the farm system so it looks like they'll compile and put together a team my question to you is is MLB teams if someone does contract a COVID-19 will they be able to pull another player from their minor league system to replace that player without it not affecting uh, the roster changes or the That's roster a good question I think they are running 60 man rosters um, and which is what they kind of normally do the 60 man team that you can bring up whenever and um, it's normally it's 40, but I think they're going to move it to 60 for that reason of uh, the player pool that you can use for these MLB games. I didn't um, know that. So there's going to be a lot of them that are inactive. So like, for example, the Mets are considering Tim Tebow for their 60 man team. And it's kind of interesting how that is going to go. But I do think that we're going to see some baseball. Right now, 1.5% of players have tested positive for COVID. And that was the number this week. However, this morning, there was a couple more instances. A couple of players on the Braves tested positive. So that number is going to rise over time. But it's going to be interesting because they're not taking the approach of playing in a bubble site, which might have its own issues and its own distractions and its own, I, I guess, its own challenges. But for M the MLB right now is just going to be traveling to stadium by stadium. I think that makes sense because if you do have them in a bubble situation and someone contracts it or it's just asymptomatic and they don't know they have it, and next thing you know, it's spreading to the other players. Look, the players will be okay. The, I mean, these athletes are in top shape. They'll be able to overcome it. My nephew just got over uh, COVID-19, 21 years old, obviously. <laughs> he kicked its butt in three days, but he just finished quarantine. So he quarantined for 15 days mm -hmm. at the military base. So what I'm saying is, after, let's say, a player has COVID-19 and they get through the two weeks, they probably only were sick for three, four days, and they get through the two weeks, and then they test negative. Would they be able to come back and join the team? I believe so. I'm not sure how the, they, they would have to test negative before then, and that takes a while. That can take up to, you know, a month. So a month or, total, you're saying, for the time they go down. Yeah. So the time they test positive, it's, it's probably you become less symptomatic three weeks 
two weeks. So you're basically out for a month. And I think they are planning on stuff like that happening, which is why they increased the roster size. The MLB is just is in a unique situation as opposed to different sports where they're actually going to be traveling. And that's where kind of the whole, well, should you be traveling? Should you be going to these different places? I mean, probably not. I think the MLB is in a good spot. I agree with you. I think MLB is in a good spot. And I think as long as they're being safe and doing a social distancing and wearing their masks, I think they'll be just fine with the traveling and all, but they can social distance at the games, just like golf that we touched on last week. That's the sport that's probably going to go great. I mean, unless somebody comes down with it, uh, COVID-19, they'll just have to miss a couple of tournaments and then boom, they'll be right back. Which is kind of what we saw over the past couple of weeks. We saw, I think it was five golfers having to miss this week's tournament and the previous, most notably Webb Simpson, who is one of the number ones. His wife contracted COVID, and then he is just staying out for precautionary reasons. And then Brooks Kepka as well, who was one of the best players in the world. So his caddy ended up testing positive. Um, I think that golf is getting better as they go, as opposed to getting worse as they go. So we'll see how that ends up with them. But they are in a really good spot because if you think about it, you're not sharing equipment. Everyone gets their own piece of equipment. It's the stuff where you have to share like a ball or you're in close contact to one another. That's the ones that you really have to be worried about. So basketball and football are going to have their works cut out for them as we go along through this pandemic. Well, speaking of football, unfortunately, remember Coach Brian Ward that we've had on our program, coaching the Pee Wee football team, who's now the defensive backs coach for Chena Hills High School. He's also the head coach of the JV team. Good. And just yesterday, they broke the news to him, and he said he just cried that uh, they're all locked down again. And he said that he goes, the rules are ridiculous, the restrictions, and it looked like they're at least going to be able to do their camp, but now it's all shut down. So it's quite possible as far as on the high school level, we may not see any football this year. College is going to be a real challenge if we're going to see football this year. That's probably going to go a little bit differently. And the NFL, I think, may get off. I mean, it is a professional league. I'm with you. I just don't know how they're going to be able to social distance. <laughs> and it's a contact sport. <laughs> right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see yeah. how everything's planned out. At the end of the day, you just have to think about safety. Indeed. It's, it's a big thing, and it's a big task to deal with. That's why the NBA is kind of smart enough that, you know, if there is a leak and there is a oh, an issues where COVID starts to become rampant in their bubble, they're going to move to a new bubble that is proposed into Chicago, and they're probably going to retest the players and then move there. So the NBA is super forward thinking in that aspect, as opposed to other sports like the NFL. You can't really play in a bubble system. It'd be hard. It'd be really expensive. And where are you going to do it? Are you going to play it on some practice field somewhere? You know, it's a little bit difficult to foresee that. If MLB does a great job of traveling and not having very many issues, the NFL is going to see what MLB is doing and copy what they're doing. So right now, it's all just a trial and error at this point. It so, is. You know, yeah. the thing is, if MLB is very successful in how they travel and what so, that could set the precedent. i tell you what, there's one sport that we haven't really heard much about, and I had to dig in deep and do some research, and I got some really good news on NHL. First of all, I have to say, NHL won the challenge, the return to play challenge. They did the best job because they worked everything out. There was never any issues. They just said, boom, we're doing this 2014 playoff structure. So let me tell you what they decided on. The hub cities are going to be in Canada, Toronto Mm -hmm. and Edmonton. So the top four seeded teams in each conference will play a round robin because they'll determine who's going to get the first, second, third, fourth seeds. It'll be regular season overtime rules in effect, sudden death basically when it gets to OT. The qualifying round for the seeds five through 12 will play a best of five to advance to the first round. And then the first and second rounds are still determining the, the length of the series. They may go best of five again, or they might maybe go seven. That's just up in the air. Or maybe first round might be five, and maybe second round might be seven. And then, of course, the conference finals and then the Stanley Cup will be the best of seven games. Their training camp will begin just in a few days, uh, Friday, Friday, July 10th. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're cruising right along. So it looks like we're definitely going to get some hockey, which is great. And I like the fact that they're actually doing it up in Canada. That's actually a smart thing. So there's some 
summertime, but it's at least the ice will be a little bit more frozen than if you're playing in Las Vegas. Because I always hear, it's like, yes, you know, they keep the ice cold and whatnot, but players would say, yeah, it's kind of like you're, you're skating on slush compared to like when you're in the northern cities where the ice is super hard. Yeah. So it does change up a little bit the dynamic of a game, the speed of the game, if you will. So I could... Congrats to NHL for winning that challenge. <laughs> I know. I think that they did a good job in not putting it in Las Vegas. It is going to be less of an impact from a Canadian perspective because you have such spread between Toronto and Montreal. That is enough that you can have those two bubble cities and be running kind of parallel. And it's also close enough that you can transport the players back and forth. Um, so I, I think the NHL did it right and having two bubble cities and, and having a good structure for their league that's going to make people want to pay attention. The way that this is kind of set up, it, it makes for some really exciting hockey. There's going to be a ton of hockey being played. It's almost like, you know, with all of this going on with the NBA and NHL, it's the teams that don't and that aren't there right now, you know, the Ducks, the Kings, they're the ones that are going to benefit the most for next season because they're going to come in fresh. They're not going to have as many injuries and going to have all these advantages to not playing in this, but with such a unique type thing and so many eyeballs that are going to be on those sports that are being played right now. Yes. It's going to make it a very cool event for next season. The team you that didn't go. You make a good point. Reminding me of how the teams that don't play have an advantage. It reminds me of what coach Bill Belichick said after he won the Super Bowl, And he says, well, we're five weeks behind of the other teams. So we got a lot of work to do. That was his excitement. Yes, it's great that we won the Super Bowl, but we're five weeks behind. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up right now, I have a special interview with James Zoda Baker. as a, a great friend of mine, another musician. So we are going to segue to that. And then Matt and I will have a nice close to our sports show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sports Matters. I am with a very special guest, a special friend of mine, another musician. You heard Seth Maffey last week. Well, this week, I do want to welcome to the show James Zoda Baker. James, good morning to you. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you, man? Thanks man, for having me on. My pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. It's been a long time coming. I finally got you in the studio, per se, our new New World studio. Well, it's great to be here, man. And midst of all what's going on, COVID-19 has definitely changed things, you know, in everyone's world, obviously. We've all faced major adversity, and especially the way we do interviews now is that you're still in the studio. It's just a virtual studio, but it's still a studio until we can get, actually get back in the studio, and I can't wait for that day. We got to grind this thing out. But how have you been coping with this so, thus far? You know, it has its ups and downs. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's going through their ups and downs through this. You know, just trying to stay focused, uh, keep writing. I'm in my studio writing new songs. Keep moving forward with my, uh, my new album, Brand New Eyes. Uh, we're just about to get it mastered. And uh, it'll be coming at you pretty soon. Yeah, trying to stay healthy. You know, I'm, I'm with my, uh, my beautiful uh, girlfriend, Amanda Haley. Uh, who's also singing on the album. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, she's a great singer. She actually sings uh, background vocals with uh, Bernard Fowler from the Rolling Stones on the record. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, and so we're, uh, you know, we're staying healthy and active. You know, we're going out. Uh, she has a, a beautiful Arabian horse, Belle, and, you know, we go for long walks with her and away from everybody. And, of course, wear our masks, you know, when we're uh, going to the market and whatnot and uh, being mindful of other human beings. But, yeah, it's tough, though. I mean, uh, you know, I'd love to be in the studio live with you, and uh, I can't wait to get out and play live again with uh, my new band. And, uh, yeah. What's the name of your new band? Well, it's under my name, James Zota Baker. Sometimes okay. I go out with uh, the JZB band, uh, which is more of a, a jazz fusion thing. We go out and, and play songs from Jeff Beck and – uh, Pat Metheny and throwing some Jimi Hendrix and some original tunes. Uh, once this is over and I can play live again under my name, I'm going to go out and play all the songs from my brand new album and also my previous album, Better Than Never. Yeah, so it'll be great to get out there and share that with everyone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know, you want to stay tuned because we are going to play his single. First of all, I am so honored that you're allowing us here at KCI 88.9 FM to play this hit song. Or it's going to be a hit song. I know it's going to be a hit song. Uh, I'm glad we're thank you. Play. <laughs> Brand New Eyes. The title of the album is Brand New Eyes. That's correct. And the, yeah. and, the, and the track is Brand New Eyes. 
Just to give you a little for, uh, refresher that KUCI has been spinning records since 1969. We're an underground radio station. They have not stopped. It's 24-7. That's amazing. Yeah, so we're honored. And that's what drew me to this radio station because of the underground music, because there's so many great artists out there. You just don't get, you only get a smidge of it on, on mainstream radio. Yes, there's some great music that finally break into mainstream. I'm not knocking right. that. I'm just saying there's just so much in our library of all this new artists and all these new music that I hear from all genres. It just blows your mind. But Absolutely. I want to ask you, what first got you inspired? I mean, how did you gravitate towards music? Was this something that you're born with or was this something that you just kind of developed through childhood? Well, it's a bit of both. Um, I actually uh, was lucky enough. I, my brother's eight years older than me and he just had the best taste in music. When I was uh, growing up, I mean, we were listening to the Beatles and Hendrix and the Stones and, you know, the list goes on and on, even into jazz fusion music like uh, John McLaughlin and Aldi Miola and all that. I was just so inspired by all that. And he um, also played guitar. So, you know, I'd watch him play guitar. And at the same time, my sister was playing piano. And so we had a piano wow. in the house and she was learning piano. And then along with that, actually, my mom would make up songs when she was cleaning, you know, around the house. She would just sing songs that she was making up uh, to make awesome. the time go by. Yeah. And so, you know, with all that going on in the house, I got really inspired to express myself that way. So yeah, I had a silly moment with my brother. He was playing guitar for my friends and uh, he made some mistakes. And when my friends left, I, I told my brother, I said, uh, you know, you made a few mistakes that was kind of embarrassing. And he said, well, why don't you try it yourself? <laughs> so I so I said, okay, I took the challenge. I wanted to play anyway. You know, I mean, I definitely wanted to play anyway, but I thought, okay, well, let me give it a go. He was kind enough to give me his first guitar, a nylon string guitar, and I'm left-handed. So he restrung the guitar left-handed for me. And as it turned out, I think like in the first or second week, I, I was sick and I was home from school for about three or four days, maybe a week. He gave me a chord book. I just started figuring out how to play the chords on the guitar by myself. So that passion grew. And at the same time, my sister was playing the piano, playing songs like uh, John Denver songs, Sunshine on My Shoulders and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I'll, she would show me a few chords on the piano. So those just started developing that way. And I, I probably within the two years, you know, I had my first band, you know, playing guitar and, you know, with some neighborhood guys, actually Vance Fergon, rest in peace and, and York Kilnecker, rest in peace. They were my first power trio and we would play uh, concerts in the garage for the kids after school and stuff like that. So it actually developed a little bit before that. I actually was in a band and we had tennis rackets <laughs> and then, and then graduated, then graduated to the guitar. Wow, you made use of a tennis racket. That's awesome. I would love to see that. I, I would pay to see that. That's priceless. I wish I had those photos. You know, I, I do. We would mime Aerosmith songs and things like that, yeah. Now, was your brother left-handed or, or did he have a right-handed guitar? No, he was right-handed. So was you a, had to learn off a right-handed guitar as a left-hander. I know Kurt Cobain was left-handed, and he used to play backwards on a right-handed guitar or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think his guitar was strung left-handed, just like Jimi Hendrix was strung left-handed okay. Paul McCartney. Yeah, so my brother restrung his first guitar for me to actually be a left-handed guitar. You know, so it's not as easy to find guitars like that. Um, right. Uh, yeah. I just kept flipping it over. I couldn't, like, just the right-handed thing didn't feel correct to me. Right. So you just had it strung the proper way for a left-hander because, hey, we're both lefties here. Oh, cool. All <laughs> we're right. creative thinkers. We think yes. outside the box, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we do what we do here. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. The creative mind. No, that's great. No, I just wanted to just get a little smidge history, you know, just what inspired you because I'm, I'm always enamored by that. I just want to know what inspires people because I learn from that. I learn from every interview that I do. And it's awesome that you're able to go in depth and explain that to us. But now that not to jump ahead, you've had the opportunity to play with some great artists and you wrote some songs, but more importantly, you got to do work with Edgar Winter and was it the album Rebel Road? Yes, yes. Well, the album was released in 2008. We probably started work on that in the end of 2005, 2006. Wow. And yeah, and I was, I was working with a, a songwriter, Kurt Cuomo. He's most famous for writing with Kiss their album Psycho Circus and uh, was, was nominated for a Grammy for that one. And we were writing songs together and I was doing some studio work for him as a guitar player. And he had written one song with Edgar Winter on a previous album. We had become pretty good friends and it was about uh, 2005 that Kurt Cuomo, who I was writing a lot of songs okay. with already and we were in the studio, I was playing guitar for him in the studio. 
asked me one day, he said, hey, I I'm, I'm, uh, was asked to write Edgar Winter's new record. Uh, would you like to write it with me? <laughs> Which is an uh, amazing opportunity. I was just very honored. I'm like, yeah, that would be fantastic. So we started writing a few things. Edgar Winter had sent over a few lyrics that he had been working on. And the first one was a, a song on the album called Rock and the Blues, which he wanted to feature his brother, Johnny Winter, the late, great Johnny Winter. So, you know, I figured it had to be pretty cool. You know, it had to be, you know, blues to bass, but, you know, somewhat modern. So I came up with a riff, actually driving, which you do a lot of times. I came up with the melody for the chorus. And Kurt and I started putting it together, developing it a little bit more. And then came the day when he said, all right, we have to go over to Edgar's house and show it to him and see what he thinks. You know, so that's the part where the nerves kick in a little bit because okay, we're going over to a legend's house right now. And uh, <laughs> I, I hope he digs the song. Yeah. And uh, we drove over uh, to Beverly Hills and, and uh, we went to his house. You know, going inside, it was amazing because uh, he had all his capes from the 70s, you know, those, those uh, yes. really cool uh, glittery capes and everything that he had from that time, uh, you know, on the walls and, and awards and different things like that. And so we went into his studio and we sat down and he said, uh, he just spun around and said, okay, play me what you got. So I had my guitar there. And I just started playing him the, the riff. And uh, Kurt and I kind of, you know, hummed along, the, sang the, what we had for it so far. And uh, luckily, he had a big smile came over his face. And he says, I love it. This is going to be great. God, what and, feeling did you have at that moment when he said that? What were you uh, it was just such a feeling of elation. You know, you work so hard in your yeah. career. You know, there's so many ups and downs. But at least in my career, I mean, you know, some people just skyrocket from the get-go. And, but a lot of us journeymen have ups and downs in our careers and uh you just it's such a feeling of ah uh, you know that feeling of satisfaction that that okay we're starting off on the right foot here and then it went on from there you know we just um we just kept writing and we ended up writing nine songs together on wow. his album rebel road yeah and uh wow <laughs> yeah in fact the very last song that uh was talked about for the album was a song kurt and i had written it, he actually said to us i want to play you a ballad i wrote for my wife, Monique. So he sat down at the piano and he played this beautiful song. And uh, the closer I get, and Kurt and I just said, look, we're not going to even use our last song because, you know, we could have had 10 songs on the album. We said, you have to put that song on the album because it was just, it was absolutely too beautiful. So then, then the recording process started. Kurt and I had talked about putting together uh, an album with some famous people on it. Casting is the word I was looking for. Casting the album with some famous people. So we Edgar was good friends with Slash, and so we had Slash come in and play guitar on Rebel Road. That's so and awesome. You, so did you play with Slash, or he just, uh, or he just, you recorded Slash? Well, a little bit of both. You know, I, oh, wow. I, had I had already recorded my guitar parts, and Doug Rappaport, who's a great guitar player for Edgar Winter, had recorded his guitar parts, and Slash came in, and the way we played together wasn't actually on the album because he went in and played his guitar solo and did everything but he came to me personally outside with his guitar strapped to him and he said hey can you play me that riff you know can we uh talk about this for a minute before i go in and play so we were outside together i had my guitar on he had his guitar on and i was playing the riff for him and we started jamming together and he came up you know with some other ideas some other parts that would go along with that which were just you know magnificent and then we went in inside and uh he was very comfortable and and just played just a great solo and also some really tasty parts along with the main riff of the song that i had written what an awesome experience that was yeah great great experience really great and the, the fourth writer on that song rebel road was a guy named jake hooker who unfortunately is no longer with us as well but his claim to fame was uh, he co-wrote I Love Rock and Roll. So that was an honor to write with him as well. He uh, was in a band called The Arrows, and they wrote that song. And then, of course, Joan Jett covered it and made it such a big hit. Yeah, so it's many experiences hit. with that. Yeah, so many experiences with, with that record. And musicians, Clint Black, and, of course, when Johnny Winter came in. That's Go ahead. So, that's so awesome. I want to touch on that, that emotional feeling that you have. You said you, when finally when Edgar Winter actually said, I like it, and that emotion of elation that came over you. Is that what inspired you to have that single release in 2013, Any Time is Better Than Never? Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's part of it. You know, I mean, the album Better Than Never and the song Any Time is Better Than Never was also really inspired through my whole career of just, you know, working for other people. You know, I mean, I was, I've always, you know, I toured the world with war from 98, uh, 1998 to 2002 
we wrote some songs together that weren't released. Man, I had a magnificent time with them touring the world. And, and I did a few years later, you know, in 2017, I just uh, went back on the road just for a couple of right. gigs. You know, we went to Japan and, and Las Vegas. Um, but mainly the, the uh, Better Than Never is exactly what the title means. You know, I'd always been working for everybody else and, and uh, touring or writing songs for other people. And I've always been a songwriter since I was 12 years old. And I had never released my own album, you know, with me singing and my own vocal album as a solo artist, thus better than ever, <laughs> you know, finally getting it out there in the world. But yes, I'm always inspired by everybody I work with. You know, there's, there's so many great artists and, uh, you know, they always have some unique perspective on music or life or whatnot. And it always touches me in some way. Yeah. It's very powerful when you think about it. It's very powerful because you can really express yourself through music. And, and it also being able to deal with the adversity that we face here during COVID-19. Like I shared a quote with you, but I'll share it again with my listeners because I've said this before. Adversity only visits the strong but stays with the weak forever. And that was said to me by my inspiration and my mentor and uh, Coach Dale Brown the legendary Coach Dale Brown. Yeah. And it's so true. And then you have this music that you're able to express yourself and, and good things come out of it. And which is going to lead me to this, because ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear any time is better than never, but you have to stay till the end of the show because that's going to be the closing song. However, first of all, I just want you to elaborate to our listeners, uh, where the, can they reach you? Where can they reach James Zota Baker? I have my website, which is jameszotabaker.com. And I'm on Instagram under the same name, James Baker at Instagram and Facebook. So you can reach me there and follow my journey with this record and other things as well. That's great. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's jameszotabaker.com. And he's got a Facebook and he's got Instagram. That's all you need. That's all I need. I don't care for Twitter. I mean, if he's a talk show host, I probably should have Twitter. But I, I just, I don't know. My gut tells me I just don't need it right now. But it's probably yeah. a tool for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I... You know, I just, I have fun keeping up with these. I, I, I don't have a Twitter account either. Maybe I should get one at some point. You know, I, I try to spend more of my day actually writing songs and I can't keep up with everything. Right, right. It's hard. It's hard. You know, um, it, but, it's like, uh, we're old school. valuable. We're old school. So we, we got to keep things simple too, especially in this. You can get lost with all the platforms and all these different things. Uh, just before we went on air, it's, uh, I'm trying to figure out the Zoom still. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you're so, doing a great job, man. Oh, thank you so much. So now this is going to be the special part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to play his newest single that James Oda Baker has come up with from his album, Brand New Eyes. And it's titled Brand New Eyes. But before we roll this track, yeah, I want you to tell me a little bit about this song, what it means to you, or what the inspirations behind this song is. Well, I think, I think the main inspiration behind the song is working on yourself, you know, as a person in this life. And, uh, you know, we all make mistakes, you know, we all go down wrong roads and things like that. And it's as you get older, hopefully, you can start identifying your own mistakes, but you can also start identifying people around you and uh, what their agendas are and, uh, you know, how close they are really to you or not. And uh, whether it's worth spending your time with those kind of people and also just taking stock and, and realizing what's really important. You know, and it's the love of, you know, of course, for me, it's Amanda and my friends and family and, and great people like you. And, and Thank you know, just really uh, honoring that in your life. So that song's an inspiration. It's Sports Matters loves you. I'll tell you that right now. This is a sports talk show, but it's also a music show. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're going to go ahead and play the track right now. And then we'll come back and we'll close out our segment with James Zoda Baker. So this is Brand New Eyes. So why? 
Man, that is a hit song, James Zoda Baker. That's a hit song. Oh, wow. Your, your, your lips to God's <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, it's my pleasure. You know, I know there's a lot of people involved with the making of this song. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that and also where you recorded this song. Yeah, this song is, uh, this album, I wrote uh, 10 songs for this record and was just blessed to have so many great fellow musicians and artists contribute to the record. I'll just tell you a few. We had um, Jimmy Haslip. A uh, great bass player that uh, is most famous for uh, being in the Yellow Jackets and Jeff Lorber Fusion, Grammy winner. Uh, Bernard Fowler from the Rolling Stones. Amanda Haley uh, singing background vocals. She was with Brenda Russell on one of her records. Uh, Rick Fierabracci, world-class bass player from Chick Corea and Blood, Sweat and Tears. Lau Tizer has his own band. Uh, Joshua Seth Egan, a great drummer. Walfredo Reyes Jr., who's the drummer for uh, Chicago, actually played some percussion on a oh, couple wow. of tunes. Uh, Larry Antonino played bass. He was Wolfman in That Thing You Do. I don't know if you know that movie. Um, but uh, anyway, he, now he's the lead singer and bass player for Pablo Cruz. And uh, Hans Mullen on keys, Brad Smith on bass. You know, just a great group of musicians that contributed to the record and really brought to life my ideas and the songs. It was uh, mixed by Lee Bench, Sam Medill over at the Steakhouse Studios. So many other great engineers worked on it. Ken Isaac Nagel, uh, John Cranfield, and uh, just, yeah, just a great team of people that, that came together to, uh, to bring my vision. That's a beautiful thing. When you actually have the right collection of musical minds that could actually interpret what you're wanting, your vision, that's what just makes it so much sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really, really brought it to life. And so I'm excited. So uh, it's going to be mastered next month, and then it'll be released in the next couple of months. Uh, you know, we're looking for a label right now. If not, I'll just put it out on my record company, Zoda Records. But um, we'll see what happens. It'll be just a, a pleasure to have uh, everybody listen to all that hard work. You it know? kind of reminds and, me what one baseball player said in the movie Major League, Pedro Serrano. He says, Jobu, if you don't help me now, I'll do it myself. And just like you, if I can't find a label, I will just do it myself. I like Absolutely. that. I Absolutely. like that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That music needs to get out of there and get out to the world. And, you know, I have a lot to say. There's uh, political songs, love songs, uh, songs about, uh, you know, the state of affairs, the way people are being now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always, it's, it's part of my growth as well. Um, right. It's part of who you are. It's, it's yeah. who you are. And we're grateful to have you here on Sports Matters here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Ladies and gentlemen, this is James Zoda Baker. So you can reach him at jameszodabaker.com. He also has a Facebook page, James Zoda Baker. And also he has an Instagram. So yes, you definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Uh, before we start segueing into some sports, we are going to close out with any time is better than never. So yes. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to stay tuned after Matt and I do our closing on Sports Matters. But is there anything you want to add to that? What was inspired behind this song? Because you created that back in 2013. Yeah, Anytime is Better Than Never is, um, you know, basically the title of the album I shortened and it's better than never. Again, as I said before, you know, just all those years of working for other people and, and writing songs for other people and compiling all these songs, but never putting out my own release. Better than never. I, I think it speaks, you know, to a lot of people as far as things they might want to do in their lives, whether it's to go back to school or go travel around the world or things like that, and then finally get the opportunity. It doesn't matter how old you are. Right. Like I have a golden opportunity now to really expound on what I'm doing here on the radio show and you know all the great things with sports. But speaking of sports, not yeah. to segue from music, because we're going to have you back on again. We're definitely going to have you back on because I know you're an artist that's always hard at work. You're going to have yeah. a lot of great music. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I, you just Thank heard you. Brand New Eyes. And I'm still buzzing from the song, by the way. I'm still Thank buzzing. You. I still got chills. So you'll hear the closing song. However, James is also a sports fanatic in a sense of he likes golf. And, you know, my co-host, Maddie loves his golf. And I was a big Tiger Woods fan, still am a big Tiger Woods fan. And I had faith on him that he was going to win another major. And he's probably going to win a few more before it's all said and done. That's just I think so. I think so, yeah. I, I, I've always believed in him. I, I saw him win the first Masters in 1997. Now, you know, all these years later, I was the one that, you know, you would see all these threads of people that didn't believe in him and knocking him down. He'll never make it. He'll never come back. And I thought, you're not – tuning into the right guy because Tiger Woods uh, 
definitely has that spirit. If he can do it, he's going to do it. And, uh, and he did, which was great to win another major. He did. It'll be he interesting. Re- yeah. Go ahead. He reinvented himself. But the main thing is, is the severe adversity that he faces. Always the great ones. The great ones will figure it out. The great ones always do. And that's yes. why I always believed in him that he was going to do it. Everybody thought he was washed up. But we live in today's society. We're so heavily criticized. And I'm yes. not the only person to say that. It's so fast that people could just be a couch critic and, or a couch quarterback and just pop off and say this and that without even, let alone walk a mile in someone's shoes. How about just try to walk a thousand feet in that person's shoes? Just picture yourself in that person's shoes. Well, I totally agree with you. I know, you know, the other way I look at it too is with all these critics that, you know, sometimes say, well, Tiger's second best because of uh, Jack's major record. And I asked them, I said, well, uh, what are you second best at in the world? <laughs> Which is, yeah. you know, then I get silence. But uh, an inspiration to me as well, you know, besides yes. just, you know, loving watching him play golf. He's an inspiration to me because you can have those setbacks in your life. And it's uh, very motivating to see somebody that go through all that and then come back in that way. So, you know, I look at him that way. But yeah, I'm a big golf fan and, and watch almost every Sunday. And I should play more. Right. Uh, some, somebody gave me a really nice set of clubs uh, last birthday, you know, last year, 2019, and I haven't even gone out yet. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's but, like golf uh, and tennis are probably the safest sports to play. As long as tennis, they keep the tournaments really small, they could probably get it off because, I mean, they are going to do the Cincinnati, just no fans. But right. you, know, you have 128 men's and 128 women's side. So you got, you know, right. 256 players. They so could have one trainer, and that's 500 some players, plus the doubles. So you're still talking 700 total players and trainers that they're allowed. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off, but you know, as of right now it's on, but as far as golf, I mean, that sport can be played. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, the golfers just being distance and, you know, not being able to pick up the COVID-19 because if they do, then they'll just have to quarantine for two weeks. I mean, those guys are in still fairly decent shape. I mean, you got to be in good shape to be a pro golfer. You can't just be like John Daly. <laughs> God, I like him, man. I like his spiciness. That guy oh, yeah. really, you know, he, he, he's funny, man. He just, he, he, I mean, he's. I, I, he's certainly he's, his own character. Yeah, he that's, is. that's for sure. He's a colorful character. Yeah, he is. No, he definitely is. But they've been playing uh, golf live now. Uh, there's been two weeks of it. Oh, yes. And uh, last week, um, I believe Dustin Johnson won the Travelers. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of fans there, but there's still that pressure because you're around all your peers, these great golfers, and uh, playing on a very high level. Uh, so I, it's enjoyable to watch. Right. As I broke the news to you earlier, ladies and gentlemen, that the NHL and what their plan is, and they're the ones that won the COVID challenge of getting back to playing. They're going to be the first ones that had no issues. Now they got their hub cities in Toronto and Edmonton. They oh, got wow. it all figured out. They're the first ones to win the challenge, and you know, I gave and I complimented them. I mean, that was just well done. The other sports were just having some issues. Some of it is just it's unfortunate. Players are getting tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to get football off because that one is a really touchy, touchy one. Because yeah, contact so much physical. Yeah, so much physical contact for sure. Yeah, so that, that'll will, be a tough one. We'll see on that, but geez, we're already starting to run out a little time here, but you know, just to close out, you know, I just want to touch on some other sports because I know you like your LA sports and you're a Dodger fan. I'm a Reds fan. If they do get baseball off, my Reds, they're up and comers, but with a 60 game season, they actually were in first place after 60 games, you know, last season, actually they were in it until August and the Dodgers, wow. the Dodgers, but wouldn't that be like just an old school if those two hooked up in the playoffs? Very old school. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I go way back to that era of the, the rivalry between the, the Dodgers and the Reds, you know, when the Dodgers had, you know, Steve Garvey, Bill Russell, Davey Lopes, those guys. And then of course, you know, the Reds with Dave Concepcion and, Pete Rose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the big red machine. Yeah, I always love that. You know, but, Tommy, uh, Tommy Lasorda was so juiced in with the city of Cincinnati. We had a restaurant near named Jeff Ruby. And Tommy Lasorda, anytime he came to town, Jeff Ruby take care of him. Any of his restaurants, Tommy Lasorda was taken care of. He was so respected. We respected Tommy Lasorda. But you're right. The Dodgers used to be a major rival, the Reds, because they were the best two teams in the 80s. They were always fighting with each other. And even in the 90s early 90s even. Well, I think that's the best kind of uh, rivalry, don't you, though, when the teams Absolutely. respect each other? You know, I think that's like uh, the way the, uh, 
the Lakers and the Celtics used to have that. The, right. They respected each other's talent and, and whatnot, but they were great mashups, incredible mashups. They may have been friends off the court, but on the court, they were, they were no. going at each other. That's they right. Were going at each other. <laughs> And, uh, and you think about basketball now and then, it's like Kobe is probably the last of the Mohicans in a sense of he still brought that 90 styles basketball through the 2000s up until he retired. Right. You know, obviously it was the travesty. I don't want to – God rest his soul, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone that perished. And, you know, I got to know him and his family, and they're such beautiful people. And, you know, I wish them well, but, you know, they're trying to heal, so they don't want to hear us talking about that. But right. he's also an inspiration where I was going with this. Sure. Absolute inspiration. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. And again, a, a respectful person while playing the game and, and uh, you know, something for the younger generation to uh, research and, and look at and, and uh, you know, follow that lead, you know, as the future goes on. Who was your favorite NBA players in the 90s era? Oh, the 90s. I, I mean, it was dominated by Michael Jordan, obviously. Right. Yeah, well, I would have to say, I would have to say Kobe. I'm trying to remember, um, forgive me, I'm trying to remember if, uh, if Magic was playing in the early 90s or not, or was he, was he, retired, he retired in the 80s? Like, yeah, he had to retire in 91 after that season. Right. And, if, and like Steph says, if we knew what we did now, yeah. he only played 12 seasons. If, the guy, if Magic played 20 seasons, he'd probably be the all-time leader in assists, steals. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, he, I mean, he was... He was my all-time fave player, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, in the 90s, I would definitely have to go with Kobe. You'll have he to listen to that show last week because we really delved into that about, you know, greatest of all time and, you know, and not being biased, but Steph made a really good argument why he still thinks Magic is the greatest of all time, and mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. But my favorite player was because I just loved the way he played. He was ferocious. He was fast. He played with a lot of emotion. He was ex- the most explosive power forward I've ever seen was Sean Kemp. I love oh, watching wow. him play. Great it's, player. It's just the way he got me involved. And then obviously, she, when, then when Shaquille O'Neal came into the league, then I started liking both those guys. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I love Hakeem the Dream and Jordan. And then when we got Kobe, forget about it. Kobe, Kobe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe and Shaq and then Kobe. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, incredible, man. What a, yeah, the, that duo right there, Kobe and Shaq. What an amazing duo. Boy, I tell you what, that was the one-two punch. Or even asking Kobe, you know, had Shaq stayed in shape? This is well after, you know, he retired. And he says, how many rings would you want, have won? He goes, oh, he goes, nine, 10, 12. I just love right. Kobe. I love yeah. his confidence. People say, oh, he's arrogant. No, he's confident. He's confident. Absolutely. He's in, he wants to win a championship every year. That's the goal. Once you get there, it's like, that's what you do. That's what the great ones do. Tiger Woods, every tournament, do you think he's in there like, oh, I'm just sitting there to, I hope I finish in the top 10. No, he wants to win every single one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the way those guys operate. And that's why they're the best in the world. Which reminds me of this quote by Coach Herman Edwards. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play just to be playing. That's why we play sports. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, maybe I should take some of that, uh, you know, energy and put it into my, uh, my uh, songwriting and my playing and all that, you know, and play to win the game, right? Absolutely. I like that mentality. You know, you, you, you hit it right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are starting to run out of time. But once again, I want to thank you, jameszotabaker.com, for coming yeah. on the show, expressing yeah. yourself a bit. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be back on again, and he's going to have some more music. We'll release it on KUCI, but you're the first to hear Brand New Eyes. And you're also going to – they probably won't be the first to hear Any Time is Better Than Never. However, it'll be the first time, I guess, it pierced the radio waves. So I am honored. Thank you so much for sharing. First of all, thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing your music with me. Oh, man. Thank, thank you for having me on, Kevin. I really appreciate it. And uh... – all the best to all your listeners that are out there and, and uh, stay strong through all of this COVID-19. We'll all get through it together. And, you know, God bless all of you, man. Thank you so much. I couldn't say it better. Thank you. And then I was my good friend, James Zoda Baker. What a great musician. What a great person. So please check him out. Maddie and I, you know, we got a few more moments to talk some sports here. And I know he was touching on the NBA before we broke and we complimented the NHL, but NBA. So I, now I know that Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley are, are not going to play this part of the season, which is – that's a huge sacrifice for Dwight. You think about it. He really believes in what he wants to do, but to sacrifice possibly winning a championship, I commend him. 
I really, really do. I mean, he really believes strongly in what he's fighting for. So, you know, kudos to him and Avery Bradley. But I was a little like, okay, we're getting J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, that might not be the yeah. worst kind of thing because he hasn't gotten any sort of bites. And when you bring in a guy that's hungry like that, we'll see. I mean, I, I didn't think it was, you know, obviously the reaction was J.R. Smith is J.R. Smith but it could be all right. I don't think it's going to hurt you too much. No. You're going to have the ball, and you're just giving LeBron another shooter who's going to be ball dominant. You're going to give Anthony Davis someone to pass to when he's doubled. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. No, it's and not. you got to fill, fill a spot for Avery Bradley. You make a good point. To have defensive loss. So the Lakers are going to play at probably a higher place because of that. You make a good point. Look, we all make mistakes, right? He's hungry. He wants to prove I'm in the NBA for a reason. I've had the talent. He's always been a superb scorer. I mean, the guy could shoot the three. I guarantee you he's been working on that three-point shot religiously, and he'll probably try to shoot like Steph Curry does. So we'll yeah. see. He's definitely uh, – what can he lose, you know? What can he lose? Got to just look at the silver lining of everything because that's what COVID-19 has done. It's, it's easy to sit here and criticize somebody, but on the flip side, it's like you said, you make a good point. He could have a lot to prove, and he could prove us all wrong, and, and I hope he shuts me up. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's the perfect revenge tour, you know. The other thing that I found kind of interesting is, well, one of two things is how they're doing the practice floors. So they basically rented out this huge ballroom, just massive, and they're putting the practice floors in two different ballrooms. And they're having all the different practice floors for the teams. So they have to practice on their individual floors. They obviously have sanitizer, sanitation times. But teams won't be practicing at the same time as one another. And they have an individual practicing area. So it's literally like court, 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 court. And they shipped all the courts in from their various arenas. So they're going to get the, the style of, of court that they're used to playing on. Nice. So they're not down on anything. Yeah, pretty cool. You know what I like to see? I like to see them have a retro night where they play with the ABA ball. That would be awesome. The old like ABA Jackson ball. Moon. Yeah, it was like a red, white, blue ball. The ABA, before it merged with the NBA, would be kind of cool just to, you know, throw back for fun. Do some crazy mm -hmm. stuff. Like you said, let's get silly with this. Let's have some fun. And it looks like they are as much as they can. Like you say, the purists will argue, oh, you can't do that. But look, 2020 is just one of those years you definitely want to put an asterisk would be the most difficult to win a championship. And it would be the year where you could try different things. And then 2021... You can return back to the purest. Now, I really hope Major League Baseball keeps the DH and the AL and lets the NL pitchers hit. I really like that. That's about the only thing I really like. <laughs> I mean, they can evolve the game in other respects, but I just like that. I like the different strategies. Yeah, you're going to have to get different. used to that one. Yeah. I think that's here to stay. So we'll I see. I don't think you're going to go back. To <laughs> I don't think we're going back to the purest kind of thinking. They announced it that that was part of the agreement going forward so i mean like the universal dh to me baseball needed to change something to speed up the game that might be one way it's going to speed it up good point um, you know the pitch clock is doing it there's got they got to figure out ways to make this a faster game because i mean if something's going to drag three hours three and a half hours and it's you know you're really only getting actual play and actual it's action for what yeah it's so football, it's like 15 minutes of they're actually yeah. playing but for baseball it's probably less time well the thing is it's like 80s baseball the, the pace was so much quicker i just don't know why why baseball slowed down is it because there's more commercials is there just because batters just take forever to get ready or the pitchers take forever to get ready and I don't know. I just can't explain it, but it's why did the game slow down when it was such a, at a faster pace in the 80s? I mean, yeah, some well, games were long. Personally, I think the answer to that question is, is that we focused too much on the long ball and that home runs became the most prevalent thing. And when you think about it, that does slow the game down because there's more strikeouts. There's more chances for you to just take big hacks at it and you're taking pictures that you don't like. As opposed to, you know, previous, people were trying to get on base. They're trying to make contact. They're Put trying the ball in play. Mm -hmm. And it kind of all changed after Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And that whole aspect was huge. The whole country was paying attention to how many home runs you had. That was 
what everyone paid attention to. And that's when the game really changed was when those two were kind of going at it. And the, to be fair, it was the, the beginning of the catching of the steroid use of baseball. Or and exposed when that it. Happened, it, yeah, it, it exposed, exposed it. it. But you know what? They should not throw Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa on the bus because they saved baseball. And then they end up being the – Mark McGuire especially, they really made him the fall guy. And I feel bad for him because he did a lot for the sport. And it's, you know, the owners turn a blind eye. And the only time they actually did something about it, you saw the Screwball movie and, you know, all these other documentaries. And MLB, their practices weren't in all good faith. It just bums me out because if it wasn't for Mark McGuire having that great season and Sammy Sosa chasing him, that could have been the end of baseball because that was yeah. a tough year. 94, like I said, was a record-breaking year for a lot of people in many respects. And for that to end the way it did, I left a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths, and that's why you just you lost interest. But hey, we'll see what happens. This sixty-game season is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> Short season, think, every game going to hit over twenty-five to thirty home runs in this. Well, I assure you, there will be a person that hits four hundred, and maybe somebody hits a five hundred in sixty games. That'd be hard, but definitely someone's going to hit four hundred. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, just yeah. it would be a third of a season. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it would help, but that'll be interesting to see where the stats kind of are going to lie. But yeah, I think the game has changed into something way different and that kind of slowed it down because walks came, you know, if you weren't hitting a home run, the next best alternative was to walk. Right. I mean, you that with Barry Bonds, like even that towards the end, you just stop pitching to those guys and you keep just trying to pound the outside corners. Um, you keep just trying to keep the ball away from them. And the fear of the long ball from a pitcher's perspective, that also played into the pace of the game. So I think those two things changed how we see the game and how the game is played. Yeah, well, thank you for clearing that up. So hopefully you know, the game does speed up. I mean, because of Rafael Nadal, tennis instituted the shot clock uh, several years ago. <laughs> Because he's the one it took forever between serves. Yeah, it's good. They'll speed the things up, and I'm excited for this. I, I, we know baseball's going to happen. Hopefully basketball happens. It's looking like it. Definitely hockey is on. Football is the one sport that uh, I don't know. We'll just kind of play it by ear because what I worry about is the true second wave of this disease. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Yeah, but ladies and gentlemen, coming up next, Claudia Shambal to ask a leader. You know she's got a fine show for you, and I'm sure she's going to be touching on a lot of delicate issues that's been going on in the world. So, Maddie and I, we touch on a little politics relating to sports, that is. And, of course, this COVID-19. But, Claudia, she will fill you in all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. She's uh, way better at talking about social injustices than we are. Right, um, right. Definitely important discussions that she has on her show. Been an advocate for so many different things. So if you can take a listen to Claudia, be really appreciated by our family here at KUCI 88.9 FM. And then go on to KUCI.org or KUCI.org. Click on the Tuesday Sports Matters at 8 a.m. And there's three links there. And then you go right click on the anchor.fm link right there and it'll take you right to our sports page. So you don't even have to type in anchor.fm and type in sports matters. You just go there. Just do, it's a double click. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Easy. Beautiful. Easy. But ladies and gentlemen, until then, all sports matters. I love you, grandmas. Time to